I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part, for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, my name's Tony, and I used to be an adventurer like you. But then my crush started paying me 100000 for each date we had. There she was. The most beautiful gal in all the land. Seated in the cafe on my way to work. Every day I see her beautiful smile as she nonchalantly makes conversation with those around her. Like she had no care in the world. I knew she was a girl with the kind of money I could never afford to even look at. Yet, there she was, every day. Just hanging out in some dusty cafe, sipping fancy drinks and hanging out. I was fascinated and drawn to her. I didn't even know her name, but what I didn't know was that she knew mine. Usually when I walked back home, she was already gone, except for this afternoon. I was walking back from the peanut butter factory, still dressed in overalls, when I passed the corner where the cursed cafe was located. That's the actual name, it's not actually cursed. Although, I guess there are those rumors of ghosts and other foul, oculent activity taking place there. Anyways... I thought as I was nearing the cafe. What did it matter if there were rumors when I was the one cursed with seeing a lifestyle I could never have whenever I walked by and saw her there? As if by Murphy's guiding hand on this fateful day, I decided not to take off my factory uniform, since I was planning to wash it later. I saw her sitting there at her usual spot, but instead of being surrounded by a crowd of socialites and buffoonish jocks, she was alone. Now, I may not be smart, and I may not be traditionally handsome, but I could spot an opportunity when I saw one. I nervously made my way inside the cafe and went up to the counter. Hi, welcome to Cursed Cafe. My name's Denise, serving you the freshest fruit-based coffee alternatives this side of the block. A waitress greeted me warmly. I will have just a coffee, please, I replied while glancing over at my crush nervously. Oh, that's Veronica over there, the waitress said, following my gaze. We all call her Ronnie, she continued. She's practically furniture. Now, as for your coffee, she continued, not missing a beat, 
we don't actually sell coffee here. So you'll be having our very berry espresso. Smoothie. Patent pending. I would recommend you take one over to her as well, she said with a wink. What? I thought, trying to understand the information overload that just happened to my occupied brain. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, wh whatever. The very berry... O's? Yeah, I I'll take two. We work on a pay-what-you-think-it's-worth policy, as studies show people are willing to pay more when people have no idea how much something costs. She stated in a vaguely helpful way. Fine, uh, here's $16 and a $4 tip, I said as I took the drink and backed away before I got a sales pitch for another drink. I walked over to her table and politely tried to grab her attention. Her eyes seemed to be locked with an intense stare on two sealed envelopes on the table. She slowly strolled her gaze up my body with that same intense look, and finally gestured over at the empty seat opposite of her on the table. You finally got the courage to make a move, huh? She bluntly asked. I felt my face turn red, almost instantly. How did she know I was checking her out before? I thought, as if reading my mind. She continued. Oh, please. I see you walk past here every day, scoping me out. Wondering what it would take for you to go out on a date with someone like me? Well, I was unsure how to answer, so I decided to just go for broke, since I was already this far. What could I lose? I thought. I'm sorry if you took offense. It's just... I, I think you're absolutely gorgeous, and I've been wanting to say that to you since the first day I saw you as I was passing by. I blurted out gaining certainty as I continued. I know it's not my place to ever assume that a lowly, peanut butter smith such as I could come to know a lady of your magnificence, but I thought I would rather die rejected than not knowing. Y you know? Suddenly, she got a really serious look on her face when she said, Two envelopes lay before you. You may choose to open envelope number one, in which case you will be allowed to keep envelope number two and its contents. But you have to execute the mission in envelope one. Are we clear? What, what kind of mission? I started to ask, when she said, The details of the mission are inconsequential. First, you must agree to the terms. To execute this mission, you will be allowed to take me on a date. This is of cardinal importance, but how you execute the mission is up to your own discretion. You may now open envelope number two. She finished. I was dumbfounded. What was happening? A am I in a game show right now or something? I nervously asked, looking around me for hidden cameras. Perhaps that cat over there secretly recording me. I had no idea what to think. But I decided to open envelope number two. I almost yelled out in shock as I saw what was inside. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. But inside that envelope... I found what seemed to be around $100,000, if I had to estimate. $100,000, she exclaimed with a slightly manic smile. That's right. You will receive $100,000 every time you go on a date with me. And that's in advance, so you can prepare for the mission. She continued as if all this was just common sense knowledge. Do you continue or walk away? she asked, staring into my very soul. I had many dreams in life, but never had I ever dreamed to be in this situation. I don't know what to do, 
I thought, as I tried to do some mental math. If I worked really hard for the rest of my life as the peanut butter factory, climbing the industrial ladder, I would be lucky to ever see that much money again. The answer was pretty obvious. Take the money, right? I gently leaned forward and opened the first envelope, with the word mission written on it. Inside was a letter that read, Congratulations on making it into the Miss Veronica Munch Mission Courting Catalog. Subject will adhere to the following terms when taking Miss Veronica Munch on a date. Subject must agree to wear nothing but a Speedo for the first date. The subject must arrange for a date at a suitable location for the attire and ascertain that Miss Munch is properly entertained. Should subject fail to meet entertainment score of at least 9 out of 10, subject's courting application will be denied with immediate effect. The scoring will compromise of three categories, creativity, uniqueness, and skill. Your time starts now. We will contact you shortly. When I looked up again, she was gone, leaving nothing but the mission paper and the $100,000. Time? Courting application? Scoring? Money? What was this? What had I gotten myself into? I was having a mini panic attack when Denise appeared next to me. More juice? She asked with an all-too-knowing grin. Was she in on this too? I wondered, as I agreed to buy another overpriced drink I could sip on while walking home. I tried to fall asleep, but after an hour of shifting about uncomfortably in my bed, I decided to do the only logical thing you can do when you get recruited on some insane dating mission for a hundred thousand dollars. I rolled around in the money. It was more money than I'd ever held in my life, and represented a future that I could never have dreamed of myself. Maybe if I can do well enough, I can help my mom, who had recently been in and out of the hospital and needed a break financially. I stayed up all night working on my plan. I phoned in some favors from before I dropped out of MIT. I went to the mall, got a fancy haircut, found a Speedo that didn't make me feel too self-conscious, and rushed to find some of the other things I knew I still needed. At 5 p.m., there was a knock on my door, and I instantly became as nervous as I had ever been. I gathered my composure and opened the door. Good afternoon, I said as I joined her outside. Please, right this way, I said as I had her follow me into my garage. I pulled back a cover and revealed a custom-built Harley-Davidson. I helped her put on a helmet, secured her purse in the satchel, and we were on our way to the beach. She was not dressed for the beach, mind you, but since I was required to wear a Speedo, I figured this was the most obvious place to go. When we arrived at the beach, I removed my safety gear, leaving me in nothing but a Speedo. Luckily, my job was mostly manual labor, so I had a body that could work it. There was a small jetty where my friend waited for us to arrive. On the beach, I had a transparent dome over a table set up with a private chef ready to start a dinner service. My lady, I said as I pulled a chair out for her and helped her get seated, I am glad to be a part of whatever this is, if it means I get to talk to you, I said cheesily. She blushed, and for the first time since I spoke to her, I smiled a bit. Is this what $100,000 gets you these days? She asked teasingly. But wait, there's more, I said, getting up from my seat and venturing over to my friend waiting by the jetty. I proceeded to get onto his hoverboard prototype and after flying around a bit, flew down to right in front of her on the beach, where I hovered and came to a stop gracefully. I invited her to try and had my friend explain how it worked. We had a lot of fun flying around over the water before we got back to the dinner service. 
I had a lot of fun tonight. Overall, I would rate this an 8 so far, she stated a little playfully. Look under your chair, I said as I watched a look of confusion on her face. She reached down and retrieved an envelope from under the chair. In it was a letter indicating a donation of $50,000 made to the local Beaches Wildlife Conservation Society. Okay, maybe we can bump it up to a 9.1, she said. The secret category was compassion, and I know that the rest of the money went to your mother, who desperately needs it for her operations, she said, with tears welling up in her eyes. I think you're going to be a very strong contender, she said, as she opened up her purse and placed two more envelopes on the table in front of me. My name's Pete, and I grew up in a rickety shack in the middle of a rich suburb. Dad had been offered multiple times by the rich newcomers to buy his land, but he never sold, despite the high offers. He was waiting for the price to skyrocket. You know, son, in matters of investment, you gotta hold. If you hold long enough, the thing you hold on to increases in value exponentially. Dad saved every penny that he could spare. For the rainy day, he always used to say. He was a regimented man. He did everything by the book. Everything had to be in its place. He always drilled into me how I needed to divide my life into segments and achieve specific goals. School, job, dating, marriage, children. And out of all those, he emphasized the importance of a stable 9 to 5. You mustn't aim higher or you'll only fail. The rich will stay rich, and us poor folk need to keep our heads down. For all his steadfastness, what he forgot is that the house's value could also go to the complete opposite way. Thanks to an ingenious scheme that our rich neighbors came up with, our plot of land became wetter and wetter every year. The first house to do it were the Manderleys. They were a bunch of snobs who came down from the city when they heard our school district was the best in the country. Mummy, who are those poor people living next to our mansion? Shoo! Son, don't look at them! Poverty is contagious! Ugh. They made a canal where their sink water was dumped into, and it all flowed into our plot. Of course they kept it a secret, and nobody found out until it was too late. The rich guys got fined by the city. But it was too late. Our plot of land became a swamp, and its value was deemed worthless. Dad held on for nothing. I guess that was what broke his spirit. He and Mom just gave up and just lived on a day-to-day -day basis. They no longer dreamed of a better future. To further humiliate him, our rich neighbors held a charity drive for my dad and us. And during the embarrassing ceremony, the Manderleys made an exaggerated show by offering Dad a job at their agency as a clown for a kid's party. And he took it. He had no other choice. Every household in that suburb hired him. And it hurt to see people laughing. Not because they found him funny, but because he did whatever it took for spare change. And still, he didn't sell the house. So, my whole life, I had to live in a swamp. My classmates called me an ogre because of it. I heard the Manderly kids started the nickname. Every time I passed by, they would plug their noses or pinch them closed and tell me I stunk of swamp. It was one of the most embarrassing moments in my life when I finally got to sit beside my longtime crush in chemistry 
and she fainted after she held her breath because she believed the rumor that I smelled bad. I did get to talk to Opal after I took her to the infirmary, and she realized the rumors weren't true. Opal was an outcast, just like me. And so we bonded straight away. We laughed it off and we became friends, so it wasn't all bad. Unfortunately, the entire school only heard about the part where a girl fainted because of my smell. That made me the laughingstock for quite a while. I was called Stinky Petey, and for three whole years, I battled that nickname. In senior year, I almost won, and some people started calling me Pete again. Until some nosy first year asked someone on the basketball team why there was a graffiti of my nickname in the locker room. Then the joke got told over and over again. Luckily, I had Opal. She never stopped defending me. She grew more beautiful as time passed, and she got rid of her braces. Suddenly, she was popular. Some people even called her the Queen Bee, but she refused the title because she thought it was vain. When a guy from the football team tried to ask her out, she grabbed my hand and pulled me into a surprising kiss in front of everyone. I melted. I felt sparks. Obviously, I dreamed of escaping that life. And it got so frustrating that I couldn't do anything because I was poor. So, I condensed all that frustration and all those impossible dreams, and I poured them into something I was good at. I loved to draw. And I loved to tell stories. So, whenever I felt down in the dumps, or whenever I wanted to scream, I drew. And I wrote stories. I would make little comic strips about my day or how terrible high school was. And when Opal and I got to hang out, she would beg me over and over until I finally relented and showed her the comics for that week. She would laugh at all of them, and she would feel bad for the main character when the story was a sad one. Either way, the afternoon would end with her wiping tears from her eyes as she begged me for more. You know you have to publish these, right? <laughs> Don't be silly. I'm serious. These are really good. You're just saying that because you're my friend. So you're saying I have no taste. Uh, that's not what I'm saying at all. Opal would nag me a lot. But she was always there for me. And she always wanted to see me succeed. She was the only light in my dark life. Not even my parents believed I could achieve anything. One day, as I was walking through the quad, I noticed people laughing and pointing at me. More than usual. And they were looking at their phones. I rifled through the school's group chat, and there they were. My creations. For everyone to see. And laugh at. Opal had betrayed me. They were all laughing. And not because I was funny. They laughed at my drawings. Called me a loser. One girl threw a pickle at my face. Ha! <laughs> Wannabe! I fought battles on two fronts by myself. One at school, and the other at home. You're born poor. You'll live the rest of your life poor. That's just life. It's pointless to even try. The rich grow richer, and the poor get poorer. And whenever I would show them my report card or a medal I'd gotten, they'd just brush it off like it meant nothing. Once, when I made the mistake of showing them my drawings, my dad tore them in front of me and threw them into the fireplace. I don't have time to look at your silly scribbling. Can't you see I'm busy figuring out how to pay our bills? Don't bother your dad. 
Here I am, breaking my back for this family. And you spend good money on paper and paintbrushes. You're wasting all my hard work. You're wasting your time on pointless things. But I had big dreams. And I tried to make them realize that I was serious about making comics. So, I did what Opal told me to do. I published them on a free site where people read webtoons. On my first day, I got one view. And... I began doubting myself again. But by the second day, I had a hundred comments on the first chapter I submitted. All of them clamoring for more chapters. I was shamed for my art in real life, and yet, online, I was a star! I gotta admit, living that secret life was... exciting. I ran to the nearest cafe, ordered one coffee so I could get free Wi-Fi, and uploaded as many chapters as that free Wi-Fi would allow. By the end of the month, I had people sending me donations and supporting me because they loved my series so much. A lot of them were kids like me who were struggling at school and had nobody to talk to. At first, I only got something like a hundred bucks a week. But then, my account grew. After a couple of months, I had over a hundred thousand subscribers. The money was pouring in. There were donations, tips, subscriptions to my Patreon. I was finally able to make a living out of the thing I loved the most. And the best part? The hype got so big that Getflix wanted to make it into a show. But it felt hollow. Opal was the reason I kept drawing, and she wasn't with me. Uh, uh, hello? We wanted to get your answer about Getflix acquiring the license for your comic strips. We'd love to start shooting the series as soon as possible. I was gobsmacked. I was half expecting that email to be a scam. Are you still there? Okay, you're a tough negotiator. I said 300 grand in the email, but we can go as high as half a million. For the first season. Sound good? They paid me up front. I couldn't help myself. I called Opal. She congratulated me, and then she broke down sobbing. It wasn't me. I swear. I'm so sorry. The Manderly kids took my phone, and when they saw your drawings, they... They told me they'd have your dad fired if I tried to stop them. I ran to Opal's house, and as soon as I saw her, I embraced her, and I peppered her with kisses. There's nothing to forgive. They'll get what's coming to them. I wanted to surprise my parents with a huge gift. I was going to buy them a house. And I was going to do it on my 18th birthday. But the night before... My I was out with Opal the whole day, and when I got home, my mom and dad were waiting for me in the living room. Dad took out my tablet and laptop. Where'd you get these, huh? You stealing from us? D there's nothing to steal. Don't you get smart with me. Been telling you for a year now. Go to your Uncle Howard and work at his shop so you can help us with the bills. And all this time, you've been wasting my your name's time. Pete. My name's Pete. Doodling? Your dad and I are very disappointed. It's what I love to do. It's my passion and it's going to be my career. What? Selling scribbles? Wake up, son. You're poor. Your parents are broke. And you will be broke just like us. So, 
Stop struggling. Instead of wasting your time, if you just go and work for your uncle, he won't pay you much, but you need a bit of reality check, Peter. You can do nothing on your own, so you might as well help us. I grabbed my stuff from my dad and stomped up the stairs. You better be ready to sell those gadgets if we come up short of the bill this month. I couldn't take it anymore. I packed my bags and snuck out when they thought I was asleep. I took a cab to the fanciest hotel in the city and I splurged for the very first time in my life. I got myself the presidential suite. I tipped every waitress at the Japanese restaurant a thousand bucks and by the end of dinner they were feeding me by my hand. I had trays upon trays of dessert sent up to my mom and I lay on the most comfortable bed I'd ever laid on, surrounded by 30 different dishes that cost over $10,000. I woke up early and went straight to a real estate agency, and I saw that a mansion in the same street as our house was up for sale, and I had a wicked smile when I realized that it was the neighbor who was the first to dump water into our lot. I couldn't help but be tempted by a double revenge. As soon as I got home, Mom and Dad began asking me where I'd been. I ignored them. Instead, I started putting my stuff into boxes, and then I moved them to the curb. After a while, the moving company I had hired turned up, and they started moving the boxes and carrying them next door. What are you doing? You said I can do nothing by myself? So, that's what I'm doing. A very, very sweet nothing. I flashed my bank account at him and his jaw fell to the ground. My dad is a successful businessman who constantly got in trouble for mistreating his employees. One time, his secretary, who was pregnant, asked him if she could go home early because she wasn't feeling well. My dad responded, No, you have to finish your work first. But sir, I think I'm going into labor. Your water didn't break yet, or... So go back to work or else you are fired. Well, a few hours later, the poor woman ended up giving birth inside my dad's office. And instead of being helpful, my dad kept yelling at her to not make such a mess or else the carpet would be ruined. Yes, my dad was lacking in empathy. And when the local newspaper heard about the incident, they wrote a front page newspaper article about it, publicly humiliating him and tarnishing his reputation. My dad could have simply apologized to his secretary that gave birth, but instead, he wanted to sue her for defamation because she had called him the most ruthless boss in the history of mankind inside that news article. Fortunately, my dad's lawyers convinced him that suing a mother who had just given birth would only further damage his public image. Instead, they advised him to donate money to some charity. My dad reluctantly agreed and chose to open a high school for underprivileged kids. That's where I come into play. I somehow persuaded my dad to let me take over the planning and administration of his new school. He was happy to see me be so passionate about the project. He probably thought it would prepare me to take over his business one day. Well, big mistake. Because my first decision was to turn it into an all-girls school. And I didn't care one bit if the girls came from underprivileged backgrounds or not. I just wanted them to be pretty. And to get as many school applications as possible, I let the school make all kinds of ridiculous promises. Like one teacher for every five students. And the offering of lots of sports activities like ballet classes and horse riding. LOL! I was way too lazy to hire a ballet teacher. And I certainly didn't buy any horses. 
But my marketing worked, and the school got over 2,000 applications. I went through all of them and checked every girl's Facebook account to see if they were pretty or not. Of course, I only chose the best-looking ones. To give you an idea how picky I was, I only accepted 1 in 10 girls. Anyway, the year was about to start, and I realized that I had forgotten to hire teachers. I ended up finding some at the last minute, but they were really bad. They all had been kicked out of their previous schools for either always being on sick leave, straight up stealing, or in one case, bullying one of her own students. But hiring bad teachers turned out to be a brilliant move on my part, because none of them cared whether I was running the school well or not. They all just wanted to collect their paychecks. In fact, two of the 10 teachers I hired only showed up for a single week. Afterward, they called in sick for the rest of the year. Meanwhile, I was 16 and put myself into 11th grade. The girls were surprised to have a boy in their class, but I told them I was only there for a few months to make sure my dad's school ran smoothly. Now, let me tell you something. Boys aren't the only ones whose hormones go crazy during puberty. Lots of girls were interested in me. No, let me correct myself. All girls were interested in me. I was the only guy around and got asked out on so many dates that I had to reject most girls. I simply didn't have the time to date them all. And a girl getting rejected by a guy only increases her desire for that man. That's why girls started promising me that I could do anything I wanted if I only went on a date with them. And while you probably think I was living the dream, I don't think that such an abundance of women was healthy for me. I had always looked up to my dad. Maybe he was a jerk, but he was also extremely hardworking and a high achiever. I wanted to be like him one day and not just end up as another spoiled rich kid. But ask yourself the following question. Would Bill Gates have had the discipline to build Microsoft if growing up he'd been surrounded by hundreds of pretty girls who all wanted him? Not a chance! And so, instead of focusing on my studies, I was fully busy with girls. I often skipped classes and took my classmates Kendall and Rose into empty classrooms to hang out and make out. I had a key to every classroom, after all. I pulled out a water bottle and said, let's play spin the bottle. Can you believe that in 10 spins, it didn't point at me once? It was infuriating, but at least Kendall came home with me after school, so I won't complain. What shocked me the most about staying at an all-girls school was how mean the popular girls were. Our teachers paid no attention to bullying, and in my art class, some girls always drew their sketches on the backs of other girls. They had to hold still for at least an hour, and it was extremely degrading. I once asked one of the girls that got bullied why she let the popular girls treat her like that, and she replied, Because if I stand up for myself, they'll take me to the bathroom, take away my clothes, and make me walk home naked. I saw them do that to another girl. I felt sorry for her and invited her to my home. But once it got late, I told her, I want to sleep now. Please go home. Oh, but will we see each other again tomorrow? Um, no. So you don't want to be my boyfriend? I shook my head and she started crying. Oh my god, you took my V-card and you don't even want to date me? You stole it from me! At that point, I'd probably been intimate with a third of all girls at my school. Anyway, our school had no principal, which meant there was no supervision whatsoever, and I could change anyone's grades on the report card. I only did that for myself and eight other girls who were my closest friends. But when I showed my fake report card full of A's and B's to my dad and he told me how proud he was, I felt a bit ashamed. Instead of studying hard for school, I was cutting corners and abusing my power to get laid with girls. I knew if I continued like this, I'd end up like Paris Hilton, another dumb rich kid who does nothing other than spending her daddy's money. 
So the following semester, I wanted to reinvent myself and decided to befriend Laura, who was the best student at our school. She was so diligent that she even read textbooks during recess. Hey, Laura, I said, want to study together with me for the next math exam? No, thank you. But teamwork is fun, isn't it? Teamwork? Why don't you first tell me how to locate the local maxima of a function? Of course, I didn't know the answer to her question, so she continued. Us two working together wouldn't be teamwork. It would be me tutoring you for free. No, thank you. Well, okay. Then let me pay you to be my tutor. $50 an hour. Is that enough? Apparently, $50 was a lot to Lara. She agreed, and we met at my house. I was so used to girls being into me that I immediately made advances towards her. What the hell? Get your hands off me. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, it won't happen again. The study session went well, but during a break, Lara complained to me that her math teacher expected way too much and that it was impossible to get an A in her class. I replied, well, do you know my dad owns the school? I have enough power to change your grades any way you want. Really? Yeah. Last semester, I polished the report cards of a couple of my friends. Kendall, for example, got an F in her English exam, but thanks to me, ended up getting an A on her report card. I was telling her all that to impress her. However, she got really mad and said, I'm working my ass off day and night to study, and you give away A's to a bunch of undeserving brats you've slept with? I didn't know what to respond, and Lara stormed out. I had a bad feeling, but I had no idea just how bad things were about to get. Laura contacted both the local authorities and several newspapers to tell them how I was the only boy at my dad's all-girls school, how I had slept with dozens of girls, and how I had abused my power to give some of my favorite girls good grades in return for... you know what. It turned into a huge scandal, and everyone blamed my dad for what I had done. He got so much negative press that the board of directors of his own company decided to fire him as the CEO. At first, my dad hated me for all the trouble I'd caused him. But now, without the job and without the stress that comes with being a CEO, he became a much more relaxed person and forgave me. He even said, I'm glad I no longer work 12 hours a day. I have all the money in the world, so why shouldn't I enjoy myself a little? Right now, my dad does nothing but play golf all day and have fun. And why not if it makes him happy? The doors to the mansion opened and in walked two stylists. They had five assistants each, and each assistant pushed two racks of designer clothes, accessories, and shoes. In no time, our living room turned into a walk-in closet of the finest in French and Italian fashion. Oh my god! I could get used to this. I want the red Chanel dress! You wish? I saw it first. Fine. You have it. It won't fit you anyway. My new stepmom and stepsister's eyes grew wide. If they could drool right then and there, they would have. I could see the envy, the greed in their faces. They had never seen someone spend that much for clothes. They had never seen anyone be treated like a VVIP. But for me, that was how every day went. My name's Ewan, and I was fortunate enough to be born into a very fortunate family. I lived like a prince since I was a baby, but that doesn't mean I'm spoiled. My mom and dad made sure I grew up knowing the value of a dollar, and how every single cent I spent needed to be something I worked for. Doesn't mean I don't spend it on ridiculous things, just means I worked hard to spend ridiculously. One of the downsides of being mega rich is that I'm constantly surrounded by the wrong people. Sure, I have close friends that I've trusted forever, 
but there's always people who will try to take advantage of me. A lot of them are girls who want a shortcut to an easy life. Newsflash! Money doesn't make life easier. When I was in high school, the most popular and prettiest girls asked me to prom. I said yes to one of them, thinking I'd met the love of my life. Turned out, she just wanted to get a ride on my Porsche so she could have an awesome entrance on the red carpet. The moment we went into the venue, she barely spoke another word to me. She just left me there. Alone. She even told everyone why she asked me to prom, and it was really embarrassing to be used for your money. I developed a really low self-esteem after that. Fast forward to a decade later, and I'm still dating girls who just want what they can get from me. My girlfriend Serena used to be really sweet, but the moment she learned how much money my dad had, that's all she cared about. She would go on massive spending sprees using my card. If I didn't get her what she wanted, or if I don't give her the most lavish gifts, she would pout and give me the cold shoulder. There was one time when she didn't talk to me for a whole month just because I forgot to buy her the right bracelet she wanted. That same weekend, she cheated on me with my best friend just to teach me a lesson. <sighs> but what can I do? I love her. And I guess that's why I date who I date. Because throughout my life, I was never able to believe that someone would love me for who I am. Not for my bank account. I was the only child, so the girls I attracted tended to be those who wanted to marry an heir. I say was, because now Dad has brought home a new mom for me and two stepsisters. I'm getting really bad vibes from them. I don't know why. I can't quite put a finger on it. But I just feel like there's something... off with them. Anyway, my stepmom's name is Lori, and her two daughters are Cheyenne and Kayla. They just appeared out of nowhere one day. Dad said he met Lori in Vegas. <sighs> Says it's all a blur. They must have fallen in love and were in a whirlwind romance, because Dad said he woke up in his hotel one day and they were married. So anyway, he brought them to our house so they can live there too. They said they had their own businesses and that they come from money. But I'm protective of my dad. He's got a weak heart. Especially after Mom passed. So I sent a private investigator to find out the truth. And the truth will shock you. Because I found out that they had no money. They were all flat out broke. And even more, my stepmom and my stepsisters are not related. At all! Yep. Dad had been hoodwinked. Scammed into welcoming even more gold diggers into our house. What's worse is now that Dad's health is declining... They've got their eyes on me. I guess Dad didn't put them in the will. I didn't have the heart to tell him the truth. I regret that I didn't. I just didn't want him to go while being heartbroken. So their only hope of getting Dad's money is if they fooled his heir, too. Well, joke's on them, because I was two steps ahead. Only a week after we said goodbye to Dad, Tori began making her feelings known. And when my pretended stepsisters saw that Tori was making her move, they kicked into high gear, too. Suddenly, I had three gold diggers after me. Well, four, since we need to count my actual girlfriend. They actually got into a catfight one evening because Serena caught Lori, Kayla, and Cheyenne hitting on me. What is this? What in the name of Sweet Home Alabama is happening? Why are your stepmom and stepsisters trying to kiss you? Babe, it's not what it looks like, I swear. They've been trying to get me to dump you. 
I was trying to push them off, but they won't leave me alone. How is this disgusting? Hello? We have as much of a right to him as anyone does. Ugh, gross! You're like decades older than him. And you're his mom! Step mom? We're not even related. And she's not our mom. You think this beauty could ever come from that old hag? How dare you talk to me like that after I included you in this gig? I will marry Ewan, and you'll never get your share of the money. Excuse me. I'm like, right here. Hello? I'm his actual girlfriend. If anyone's entitled to becoming his wife and inheriting all the money, it's me. Get out of here, you filthy gold diggers. I'd had it. I couldn't stand listening to people fight over money. None of them wanted to be with me. All they cared about was being rich. I wanted to explode. I wanted to tell them all to get out of my life. But I had a better idea. What they didn't know is that I told my girlfriend exactly what time to go to my house. She would catch them. And she would confront them. And it would lead to my plan. So, you're all fighting over me, but there can only be one winner. So, why don't you compete for real? The winner gets a date with me. A chance to prove why you deserve to be my wife. I'll smoke the competition. <laughs> As if, old timer. Are you kidding me? I'm the prettiest here. Of course I'll win. Why do I even have to compete? I'm already your girlfriend. The game's already begun. There's no turning back. Everything you do from now on will be judged by me. To start with... I'm hungry. And there's nothing for dinner. That was probably the first time I ever saw any of them in the kitchen. Before they would just let the maids do any work. And now, they were rushing to make the best dinner they had ever made in their lives. Tori made roast chicken with vegetables. Cheyenne made sushi. Kayla made dumplings and noodles. And Serena... Well, she made something that kind of resembled food. I think it was beef. They were all barely edible, but still I had to choose a winner. So I chose Kayla, simply because I liked dumplings and not because hers were any good. The next test came two days later, when I was having a craving for a specific kind of grapes, ones that you could only find in northern Japan. The girls panicked. Tori called every grocer in the country. Kayla visited every vineyard for miles around. Meanwhile, Cheyenne called up all her contacts in the restaurant business, contacting all the specialty food suppliers she knew. Serena borrowed money from her parents to fly all the way to Japan to buy the grapes. Tori didn't find any. Neither did Kayla. Cheyenne found me the right grapes, and Serena... <sighs> well... She came back a day late, looking like an anime character and showing up with regular grapes she got from the convenience store. It seemed she spent all that money on other things and ran out of it. So in the end, I had to eliminate her from the game. The next competition was something I loved to do. Sailing. The girls all got their own catamarans and they had to race to get to me. I waited for them in the middle of the ocean in my mega yacht, and whoever got there first would go to the finals. From the shore alone, it was chaos. 
Cheyenne couldn't even get off the shore because she was too scared of the water. And even though Tori and Kayla had already technically won, they still battled it out. The funny thing is, as they raced towards me, Tori kept trying to crash into Kayla's boat, throwing her off course. She even boarded her vessel and sabotaged her, cutting off her main sails. Tori, of course, won, and she got to enjoy the afternoon on the yacht. I decided she won the whole thing since the other two were disqualified for never reaching the yacht. And I took Tori out on the most extravagant dates on Monaco. I shut down an entire restaurant overlooking the harbor and the sunset. I ordered all the most expensive food, the priciest drinks, and at the very end, the gold-dusted premium desserts only the richest can afford. Tori had an amazing time. She gorged herself on everything. She felt victorious. She was so certain that she was going to be the wife of a billionaire. Until I got up from the table. So? You've won. Congratulations! You've proved that you're the best gold digger. You were willing to go to any lengths to get my money. I have to compliment you on your dedication. Anyway... I look forward to our wedding. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to go to the little boy's room. Go ahead. I'll be here, waiting for my prince. And she waited, and waited, until the restaurant closed, because I simply slipped out, ran to my yacht, and sailed away. I left her there, stuck with the restaurant bill for a hundred thousand bucks, and stuck in Monaco with no way to go home. After all, the best gold digger should be able to find her way out of it. Thanks to that experience, I met my future wife while sailing home. She was kind and funny. She worked on my yacht, and she didn't even know I owned it. We spent a lot of time together on the trip home. We fell in love. And, at the end, I told her who I was. And then I asked her to be my girlfriend. <laughs> she said yes. Let me tell you a secret. I have remained on my own for the past ten years or so. I may have had a girlfriend here and there, but I mostly remained alone in my apartment for all this time. No friend, no contact. Yet I had no idea that this would put the conditions for a life that I never imagined possible. For 10 years, I've worked hard, not taking a holiday, remaining alone with my computer, trying to hustle and make it. I eventually became close to a millionaire and I bought my own apartment. It's a beautiful one and one of the best in the city. By a matter of fact, I turned out to be very successful and rich guy, but I lacked major social skills. Also, I was extremely introverted, so much so that when I was out, I'd be invisible, or I wish to be invisible. Does that feel relatable? On a rainy night, I felt so exhausted that it seemed like I hadn't slept for a week, but still, I couldn't find sleep. I perked up as I heard a scratchy noise at the door. I stood up and ran towards it, wondering if I was getting robbed. I was stunned to see a letter laying there on the ground. Someone had slipped me a message. I took it and opened it with defiance. I read in small letters, Thank you for saving my life yesterday. Let me know what I can do to thank you. My name is Elsa, by the way. You didn't ask. Your neighbor. I didn't remember last night. I had a blackout around 11 p.m. and thought I had fallen asleep. My neighbor? I have only one neighbor on my floor. I live in a premium condominium with very few, and I heard very influential people. I had never met her. I opened the door and went to my neighbor's. Knock, knock. The door opened to a small blonde woman of about 28 years old. She looked at me like I was a hero. I received a strange letter under my door. Did you get one like this by any chance? Now, I know you were courageous, but I had no idea you also had a great sense of humor. Please come in. Let me get you some tea. You look terrible. 
Thanks, I guess, but I still don't know where this comes from. She drug me inside and started to prepare a cup. I told her I couldn't remember anything of the events, and she had a hard time believing me. Apparently, I was out in the middle of the night when she got bothered by a bunch of strange-looking fellows. I appeared out of nowhere, like the Black Knight, and kicked everyone's ass. She almost didn't have time to see who saved her, but she somehow recognized me. She told me I didn't tell her a word and disappeared into the darkness. I asked her how she recognized me, and she admitted that she had been stalking me in the past by pure curiosity of who was living next to her. She had spotted my tattoo on the back of my neck. I couldn't believe it, so it was me. I was so shocked that I had to leave her apartment, otherwise I'd go through a panic attack. I left the building and went to the closest club to unwind. As I sat there at the bar drinking some ice-cold water to try and refresh my mind, I couldn't help but to address the woman next to me. I hadn't done this in years. Hey ma'am, how are you doing tonight? Get out of my face, you loser. Actually, I wanted to let you know you have lipstick on your teeth. You may want to give it a look. She looked at me in shame and ran to the bathroom. I had a smirk on my face and was about to reach for my water when a girl on the left just sat and ordered the same water as me. So we're drink buddies tonight. Ready for a wild night? I held my water up in the sky and toasted my new friend. Right. I need to recover from last night and it's the only place that lets me cure my insomnia. By the way, what did you tell this girl that ran away from you as if you were a ghost? Oh, I told her she wasn't up to my standard and now look at her. She's staring at us from afar with her friends. I can see that. What do you have going on that's so attractive? I was about to answer when my neighbor popped in the conversation from behind me. He's a hero. He saved my life. I was in shock to hear that, but my surprise only grew when she started depicting the mysterious events out loud in the club. The girl at the bar was now in absolute admiration over me, and my neighbor just looked jealous about us being together at the bar. Elsa sat between the two of us and turned to my water buddy. So... What else do you have going on in your life, besides your looks? Elsa, your face is too kind for such mean words. You're right. She's so perfect. She should fly in the sunshine like an angel and eventually burn her wings. Alrighty then, I'm going to head out before this degenerates into a catfight. Ladies, please enjoy your night without me. I headed out to the door under the upset look of the two girls when a girl screamed at me. Hey, you! I didn't have lipstick on my teeth. So you owe me an apology. For this, I'll take your name and your number. Call me Big Papa. That's how I left. I felt strange, like a new version of myself had appeared overnight since Elsa told me about the event I can't recall. I'm having a secret life, one that's hidden even from myself. I came back home and without having a time to reflect on what happened, I fell asleep from utter exhaustion. I woke up the day after at 5pm. I really needed that break. As a lot of us do, the first thing I do in my morning is to check my phone. There were messages from an unknown number. Big Papa, it was great that you came back for us at the bar yesterday. We're excited to meet you today for the coffee you promised. Attached to the message was a picture of myself surrounded with beautiful girls in a club I never recall stepping foot into. So I did it again. I stood up and knocked on Elsa's door. Elsa, open up. I need to talk right now. Elsa slowly opened the door. Hey, you scared me. What's going on? What do you mean what's going on? What happened yesterday? Nothing. I went to sleep soon after you left the bar. Then I saw you from afar on my way back. But you didn't notice me and walked straight past at a fast rate. It seems like I went back to the club, but I was sleepwalking again. I showed her my phone with the messages and picture. She was stunned and looked amazed at me. The city's hero was out again. What if I'm also a villain? You don't look like one. She dragged me in her apartment, looked at me, and declared, I wanted to thank you. 
I know you have money and you don't need much, but what can I do for you? Oh, uh, thanks. Nothing really. Maybe just help me understand what's wrong with me. Okay. Actually, I already thought about it. I'm calling my security team. They will install cameras all over your place. Also, take this. It's a tracker to keep around your wrist. It'll track your every movement and also your brain waves. It's an advanced tech. This way, I'll be able to check in on you and see how far you're going. How do you feel? Tired. Okay. Sleep on my couch. Meanwhile, my teams will install the security devices. When I woke up, I actually felt rested. Could it be that my neighbor's presence was calming me down and impeaching me to live through my sleep? I got back to my apartment, but I couldn't see cameras. Elsa told me they installed the latest tech. Surely this means micro cameras have been distributed everywhere. So my really pretty neighbor was now stalking me with several cameras. What other madness could happen? I had no idea. I was exhausted and I closed my eyes to fall asleep. A moment later, I opened them. I was on a plane. My neighbor was sitting next to me in first class. I looked at her in panic. What's going on here? Oh, so you're awake. Good morning. Turns out you didn't sleep at all. A few minutes after your bedtime, you suddenly got up and got dressed and headed out to the airport. I followed you with a cab and hopped in the same plane as you. And we are now on the way to Italy. Italy? But why? Only time will tell. Long story short, it turns out that my subconscious told me to go to Italy because my family was living there. With the help of Elsa, I was able to find my true origins. Not only that, I actually arrived in time to save my parents from being robbed by the Southern Italian Mafia. I probably saved their life this very day. Now I am living with Elsa and my family in the very southern part of Italy. Turns out my grandfather also was in the Italian mob. Therefore, I was automatically admitted inside of it. And they do want to make me the leader of it. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 